Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my talk about the final interference mission. At least we think it was the final interference mission. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify or any of the podcast platforms, you can always catch me live Monday through Friday at saynotorage.com. Easiest way to support me there is to click subscribe and the bell button. You can also head to our new hub of all of my content, the SNTRnetwork.com website sntrnetwork.com for SNTR Presents Repeat Theater and the return of the Rageous Roundtable. Everything will be housed there. So please bookmark that site and you can consume all my content there. It still helps the YouTube, but it's a great way for you to have a nice tool for everything. So Interference Mission, let's talk about it. Like, I actually really enjoyed this and the reason I waited almost an entire week to do this is I didn't want to ruin it for anybody. So I ran it again this morning and got some dope screenshots that'll be featured here on screen in my little blog post that has my notes. We use this now for those that watch the video. You get a little bit of a a walkthrough blog post and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Now week to week, I, I know it wasn't amazing, but I did like the way they set this up. I thought the environment was good. I thought obviously talking to Eris is pretty sweet and the big tree, but I've really, really felt like this final mission really brought the environment, the dialogue, the tone, all of it was excellent. So I'm just my my review is that it was really, really dope. Now if you don't want to know exactly what happens, don't listen to the rest of this recording or watch this until you go and play it, okay? Because I'm about to jump into everything that happened. So, first let's just talk evolving story. Year 3 has been a bit of an experiment. They wanted to do maybe smaller story deliveries that are tied to more significant developments in Destiny 2. So they didn't do a ton of cutscenes and a ton of story-driven things like that. They did more smaller pieces. If you want to recount everything that happened, we did the gate-building and then we fought the Undying Mind, and then we rescued Saint-14, and then we went into Corridors of Time uh, and and did stuff there. That was pretty cool, but that didn't really change uh, the nature of the game. And then we worked with Rasputin, saw that the Pyramid Ships were on the way, and Rasputin helped us shoot down the Almighty, and then this season, the Pyramid Ships showed up, and week to week, there has been a small story injection. So that's been sort of the theme for Year 3. Okay, the pyramid ships moving during season of the worthy was probably one of the few highlights of that season. That season wasn't that great, but at least there was something kind of cool going on visually of like, hey, the pyramid ships are getting closer. Also, the Fellwinter's lie quest, seeing the original Rasputin, getting the Rasputin backstory, getting Fellwinter's backstory. That was really, really dope. We've actually gotten, I think, a very fair amount of story and little breadcrumbs of cool things happening in year three that has made it really enjoyable. Even the interference mission, even though it was basically the same thing each week and each time, I thought it delivered really good dialogue and lore. I liked the idea of week to week. Number one, they motivate us with the pinnacle. But number two, you aren't just throwing the story mission over your shoulder. Something we've been saying for a very long time is, hey, why not give us reasons to rerun story missions? Why not, you know, reuse adventures and things of that nature? And to a certain extent, I believe they did that in this season. They said, hey, we've got this story mission. We've got this environment, point A to B, bosses, enemies, mechanics. Let's reuse it a handful of times. We, every week, go back in 
as things develop and more things will sort of unfold. And obviously this week was pretty cool because we got to reface Nocris in the court of Oryx. That was, I think, a really, really cool moment for anybody who played Destiny 1. Ending up in the court of Oryx was, I think, an excellent way to end the interference quest in Destiny 2 Season of Arrivals. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean this is the end. I mean, something might happen this week. I don't necessarily think that lines up with the uh, the timing because the timing lines up with the original launch date launch date of Beyond Light. I got a nice picture there of Nocris, uh, and I'm, I, I guess that's the Oversoul behind him. I don't know. It reminds me of the Crota room a little bit too. That was actually what I thought first. I thought we were going into the Crota throne room uh, because we saw that Oversoul through the door, but then I saw the little statues. So like, oh my gosh, it's Court of Orcs. Now we kind of knew Court of Orcs was gonna show up at some point because somebody like brute force their way in there or whatever and that's fine that wasn't like a dad of mine that wasn't like a dad of mine but I thought that was pretty cool how they took us there also facing Nocris again was a nice touch we've heard a lot of dialogue from him really really well voice acted I actually thought it was really really good uh, dialogue some people thought hey Lono do you think this gives credence to the idea that we may end up with a taken subclass because he's sort of tempting us with the darkness they're, they're, they're putting it before us and Eris suggests that we might, we might not be the only one that the darkness is talking to I don't know if this is referring to Zavala or not there is you know there is some indication in some of the lore that Zavala might be being you know wooed by Savathun now don't forget Savathun is a part of what's going on here this is definitely a Nakra situation a darkness situation pyramid ship kind of giving us a lead up to Europa but don't forget Savathun in all of this Savathun is still in the background of the of the narrative of Nakris and Eris and everything that's been going on. She's mentioned numerous times, and we know she's coming to full fruition in the Witch Queen, which would be next year. But I, I think this is a really great way of telling stories. They're not just saying, hey, this is the handoff to Beyond Light. They're like, yeah, this is the handoff to Beyond Light, but you're not going to fully see everything come to fruition with Savathun more than likely until the end of this year. So I actually really, really like that. And yes, you can see my frame rate. Uh, I turned the HUD off and I swap weapons and hit print screen. I forgot to turn off display FPS because HUD apparently doesn't apply to that. So you end up in this cool final room with a pyramid ship and shadows and statues and it's pretty awesome the way they set this up. If there's one thing I think Bungie excels at, it's setting a tone and setting environments and creating really, really cool spaces. Uh, th- even the fight I thought with Nakris was pretty good. Obviously, we were repeating mechanics we had done before, and it's not a darkness zone, but I found the fight to be pretty enjoyable. It wasn't too, too hard, but it was intense enough to make for a fun fight, especially if you go in there by yourself. Now, Europa is next, though. We are told that um, gear power awaits. I don't think I meant to write that. It's supposed to be power awaits you on you on Europa. So we, we sort of get this this hat tip and this baton pass to Europa at the conclusion of the mission. I think this is a really, really great handoff to Destiny 2 Beyond Light. Something people need to remember is this was essentially supposed to be the lead up to Beyond Light landing. This was supposed to be the handoff and Beyond Light has been delayed. Now, I don't know if that means there's going to be any sort of a setup uh, in this scenario to say, well, we're going to do we're going to do another mission or we're going to take you back in there. I don't know if they've added any dialogue of any sort. I would imagine stuff like that would have gotten data mined. So today we will check it out. It is Tuesday, October the 13th. We'll dive in at reset and we'll take a crack 
at the uh, we'll take a crack at this just to see um, how it goes and the pillars are going on forever in the room since chills down my back yeah that's a really really good piece of feedback I love the way they set up the shadows and the lighting now some people are making theories and coming up with different things about the shadows only coming from the fallen like touching the ship and there's all sorts of theories floating around about that you're probably going to want to watch your lore content creators to get more info on that I am hopeful that year four has more rhythmic storytelling like this as I think it gives you a reason to log in and play, but it also develops a purpose behind your actions. I, I, I get that they were essentially creating a weekly rhythm. You know, hey, come and run this mission, go and get all the different things, and then go run interference. Now, some people might take issue with the fact that the interference mission required you to go into places like reckoning gambit menagerie and activities like that while also doing contact public events i don't really have a huge issue with that but i want to make sure and stress something here i have consistently called for the repurposing of content not simply reusing content there is in my mind a significant difference between reusing something which is what they did in these missions and repurposing something repurposing something is changing it adjusting maybe mechanics for the boss fight and putting new loot in there and in this particular scenario i'm okay with what they did with having us rerun reckoning or menagerie but i do want to stress that's not repurposing that's simply reusing so i want to see more of this in year four a week-to-week sort of story development it's a reason to log in and play and as i said it sort of puts some purpose behind our actions what's going on with these pyramid ships what are we actually doing what are we heading toward and i like that they've done that this year and honestly the summer is kind of ending up how i how i i was predicting i didn't think the summer would be that substantive and it hasn't been but i said it wouldn't be substantive it would be significant and i feel they've really delivered significant storytelling with a lot of gravity and a lot of lore and some big game changes coming for us as a guardian in destiny 2 beyond light so we're going to transition to q a as always you can catch me live at say no to rage.com or if you want all my content in one place bookmark SNTR Network. As always, I appreciate you watching and listening in all of the other locations. Please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the Q&A session that followed my talk about the final interference mission. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the podcast platforms, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com if you want to watch the live video on YouTube. Also, if you want all of my content in one location, sntrnetwork.com. sntrnetwork.com houses all of my shows, SNCR Presents Repeat Theater, and the Rageous Roundtable, which is returning this week. Gritter with the first question. I felt more powerful in this final mission as a Guardian than I ever do playing in the Strange Terrain Strike. Could this be because the landscape design of this final mission plays a bigger role in taking down Nocris, while at the same time not having a revive timer to contend with? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure. It's interesting that you say this. I kind of felt that too. Um, it could just be it's a new environment. It could be that you're having to play maybe a little bit more aggressive. Um, you know, it, 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 because you're you're seeing the swords, so maybe you're playing in a different way. Like, when you're playing strikes, I mean, a lot of the times you just kind of shut your brain off. The other thing about Nocris, I mean, in this fight and in the strike, is you have the immunity phases, and I think sometimes the immunity phases can get a little funky. Um... 
you know, it can get a little like, okay, come on, you know, we didn't get a lot of damage there. I mean, I had a contact public event today go terrible because of immunity phases. We got the two knights close together, and I heard a tether go off and a nova go off, and by the time they hit the target, both of the knights had moved far apart and had immunity. Um, So maybe because you're just accustomed to that, maybe because you see the swords on the enemies, you're playing more aggressive, you're using more power. Um... You know, I it, in 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 the in general, I don't necessarily know why sometimes I feel stronger or weaker in in different pieces of content. Um, which in this in this situation, it's weird that people are saying that. Somebody says, "Yeah, I felt more powerful too." Says Galacticat. I don't know why though. There's a delta in here. <laughs> Everything has a sword over their head. Like that's not true in the strike. In the strike, you're not seeing that. Now, obviously, if you're running like the, the Master Nightfall or the Grandmaster Nightfall, you know, maybe your memory of, of the Nakra strike, maybe you've recently run it as a Master or a Grandmaster or a Nightfall or something, and so maybe it's made you feel, you know, like you were weaker or something. I don't honestly know. But I will say, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Let's scroll down here to the screenshot I got of him. I thought it was great. Obviously, it's a bit of a reused area. You know, they're reusing the the mechanic and, you know, all of that. You didn't have a sword? Oh, is it only at the beginning where they have the swords? Oh, I wonder if that's why. At the beginning of the interference mission, everything has a sword. And when you get to that room, you're right, there weren't any swords. So maybe that's why we felt stronger is we were playing, you know packing the punch for the earlier parts and then we get to the end and we feel stronger because maybe they remove the delta for the fight to make it more fun to make it you know maybe to quote unquote make it easier it's possible that that played a role because that first room with the wizards always has the swords the little the little thralls the knights all of it have swords over their heads um so it's possible they decided to take that away uh, once you got there because I people like to solo the interference mission every week I am actually not a fan of that because you end up solo aggro and I actually don't like that especially the areas where there was ogres ogres get you solo aggro and start just blasting you with their eye beams and you die pretty fast it can get pretty annoying doesn't interference have contest mode on it's always swords in the other missions regardless of power no you're right big mouth strike that is true but once we were in the Nocris room, I don't remember seeing swords either. So it's possible that's why uh, it felt like we were stronger because maybe you suddenly kind of were. Maybe they lowered the power level or the contest modifier in the fight. Maybe since the fight was separate from the interference mission, you're actually not in that mission anymore. So maybe contest is no longer applicable. Maybe it was a total accident. I don't know. I loved having to navigate the pillars to hit all the crystals. It felt more complex and engaging. Yeah, you had to kind of travel a little bit. It gave the room a bigger feel, more of an open feel, less of like a big cave and more of like an open plateau that you're kind of doing battle on. I, for one, was just enjoying the nostalgic feel of going back to the Court of Oryx, seeing seeing what at the at the very least looks like the Oversoul from Crota, and fighting in what felt like familiar terrain. Um, I liked that. Uh, the way they did that, I thought that was cool. Which is ironic, considering isn't Nakrasi, isn't he from the strange terrain um, <laughs> strike? And we were in familiar terrain uh, in this final fight. I-, I thought it was very well done. I really did. I thought the dialogue was one of the cooler aspects of it. I thought it had really, really good impact. It was very well voice acted. That what you know, obviously, the way they make his voice deeper and 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 very menacing sounding is is pretty cool. It's pretty dope. So. 
Avenger with the next question. In my opinion, the interference mission felt more like intuitive battle than the actual strike mission we played before. Do you feel like this is a bit of a tease on how they are wanting boss battles in the future to at least, uh, in, at least in story-based missions? I mean, I don't know how far I want to take this. It didn't feel that different from other pieces of combat. I'm finding it interesting that people are really, you know, feeling like the combat itself or the fight itself was different than other places in Destiny. I don't necessarily know if I felt it that much. Now, what I would say is the mechanics being involving more movements, I, I think was was probably a good decision. I think sometimes the reason mechanics fall flat in raids is it's a lot of stand here, do this, stand here, do that, uh, as opposed to actually... In this case, it was kill the guys, then you gotta take the ball, then you gotta travel up there with the ball, you know, and then come back down. It's possible um, that that was maybe why it felt like it was more involved, given that there was just more movement going on as opposed to just kind of being more static, more more stationary. Um, a lot of the times, I think we ask for things too in strikes that we would probably end up not liking. We always kind of say, like, make us do more, add more mechanics, do more things. Okay, well, your 17th time in that strike, are you really going to be glad that there's, like, all these different mechanics and all these different things going on? Um... Or, <laughs> or are you going to be happy that they added all these layers? Because what ends up happening with strikes is you get to the point where you're just like you're literally just wanting to run in and burn it down as fast as you possibly can. And I wonder if sometimes on repetition, some of the things we asked for wouldn't be um, that enjoyable. If you look at this change in the prophecy fight, you can see how Bungie is using landscape design to make us more engaged in boss fights. I could, yeah, I could agree with that. The prophecy fight definitely uses the landscape and the shape of the room and where you have to go and where you have to stand. Uh, and so does this one. Um, and so maybe they are leaning more toward this. Maybe this is one of the reasons they needed to make script changes with the quests and the physics script and all of that. So maybe they can do more reactive style content. So one of the reasons they might not do this that often is whenever you're going around in the room like that as soon as they lose sight of you like it just messes with aggro they don't really follow they don't really do much they just kind of sit there and wait for you to poke back out again like I didn't feel like I was that under threat when I went up to the one area to like throw the ball at the one crystal and so maybe with some of the newer changes with the scripts they can have more responsive more reactive combat so you are going into different places and traveling and they're using landscape design and in so doing, it, it, it has more of maybe more of an intensity than what a lot of the content seems to do now is they place you within line of sight of the boss and they're like, stand here. They do it for the menagerie bosses. They do it for the, you know, a lot of the strike bosses are basically, hey, you have to stand here and do this thing and the boss can see you. So you're just sort of getting peppered and smacked around by the boss while you're actively trying to satisfy some mechanic and maybe some of that will change in in year four with, with, with reinstalling the game and script level changes. Obviously, they're making some updates to the engine itself to improve things. Um, all of these subtle changes feel like a nod to Luke Smith mentioning in his director's cut that he wants landscape to play a bigger role in combat like it did in D1. I actually don't remember him saying that, but but do you know what I remember? 
in the is it it's the Volus to Arc Strike where there was the big huge tank fight. You could go way up on that one spot, or you could go off to the right and try and snipe it. That did have more of a use the landscape to combat the you know the enemy in the area uh so yeah it'd be cool if they did more like that i i like those are the more memorable moments in destiny for me is a moment where i'm using a huge open space or a huge elevated area to engage uh to engage in combat so carter g is asking for 800 likes if you're here and haven't clicked like yet rolling the likes over helps the video get recommended if you haven't clicked subscribe yet please do that a lot of people here today Avenger with another question. You always bang on the drum about getting the most out of the content they make and use all the cool things we have seen them make again. Do you think that stuff like this, Court of Oryx, and other returning things from Destiny 1 could make a new appearance more often because of the DCV coming into play? Well, I want to say two things here. One of the things I said about this that I really, really liked was they made a cool environment and a cool story mission, and we went back every week. Okay? What if during uh when did we fight panoptes that was was that warmind what if during warmind every week we went back and fought panoptes for some reason and there was things going on and there was dialogue and there were story developments you know we always reference the panoptes fight as one of the cooler story mission fights that just sort of gets left behind oh that was curse of osiris i'm sorry right so during curse of osiris we could have been consistently going back and running the Panopti strike, right? And there would have been a reason. Similar to Interference Mission. You're going back in, you kind of know what to expect, and then the final change, the difference in the Panopti's fight would have been like this, and story development would have been happening every single time. So at one level, I love that they created a cool environment, story mission, and they reused it a bunch of times. And I know people be like, eh, reskin, but I'm like, come on, man. I, I don't expect, like, three months, okay? I don't expect... 12 story missions but using one story mission 12 times and it changes I think there's like what there's like two or three different versions where it's a little bit different there's one with like the push paddles and there's some without I'm pretty sure the interference mission changed marginally each week and then you have this huge sort of crescendo with Nocris and the Court of Oryx I thought it was excellent now to the second part of your question pulling stuff out of the DCV regularly making these appearance getting sort of redressed I think I have questions about the Cosmodrome returning after the most recent blog post. So tomorrow we're going to be talking about the new light experience. One of the things that we're doing now on the SNTR network website is you can go to SNTR presents page and you can actually get a schedule. And I'm going to consistently try to do this two days, right? Current day, next day. So tomorrow we'll be talking about the new player experience on the 14th um, and I got that little picture there of what supposedly might be the new NPC and I've got questions because the information that they lay out about this new player experience makes it seem like the Cosmodrome is going to be marginally different than it was in Destiny 1 they mentioned like lost sectors and that was about it right so We'll be discussing that tomorrow, and those are questions that I have. You know, are are you bringing the Cosmodrome back literally to just be a springboard for New Light players, or is there actually story elements going on there? Are there activities there? Are there missions there? I know some of the strikes are coming back bit by bit. There's one coming in Beyond Light, and there's two more planned to come later. Um, I don't know. It's like, 
I that I have genuine questions about that because the DCV is not supposed to purely be about that. It's supposed to be about the 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 bringing back, as they said, the greatest hits. Well, if you're going to bring back the Cosmodrome and it's basically only the, the only real thing going on is that it's there for new light players, that's going to be probably pretty disappointing to all the all the all the veteran players that were hoping something cool is going on in the Cosmodrome. Now I hope they're keeping their cards close to their chest, but when I read that twa that included that information, I don't know. It really didn't read that way. It didn't read like, oh yeah, Cosmodrome's gonna have a bunch of stuff going on uh, on it. So this is one of the reasons you want to bookmark SNTRnetwork.com so you can go to SNTR Presents, get the schedule, or if you want any of the past episodes that we've gone through, you can click on video and everything's there. The entire past broadcasts, all the Q&A and call-in sessions, we don't really put those. Those are unlisted now on the YouTube channel. Uh, so we've got some great tools there for you. Same thing with Repeat Theater if you're looking for schedules and things like that. Next question is from Young Crisis Actor says, I was half expecting the Court of Orcs to be an activity early on this season before we had a ton of information. Do you think it was implemented well in this mission? I mean, obviously it would have been pretty dope to have it be a grindable activity with drops. I think that would have been pretty awesome. Um, I could, you know, I can always get behind that. I talked about how the blind well was a huge missed opportunity and reusing the blind well or escalation protocol, or, you know, even in the future using, you know, repurposing the menagerie. Now, something I said in my talk was there is a distinct difference between reusing something and repurposing something. They reuse menagerie week to week for the umbrals, right? Every couple of, I think it's like what, every other week you do menagerie, every other week you do reckoning. And that's not the only one, but you can go in there and create the umbral traces right well they're just reusing it they're not repurposing that content there's nothing new going on in there no new drops no changes no nothing um okay there was an edge article and i'm being told per luke smith and mark noseworthy stuff will come out of the dcv only if it makes sense due to story do the story related stuff right but i guess they could argue that the that the that the new light the new player experience is that's what they're that's that's their aim with bringing the cosmodrome back and that's where that's how it relates to story you know what i'm saying is it going to relate to us in the story or just new players so new players can basically go in and have that experience like i don't i don't i don't know um so but but to answer young young crisis actors question i do think it would have been pretty dope to say hey that this 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 could be a grindable event um instead instead of it sort of being like well what was the point you know i actually don't think it feels that way by the way i don't think it feels like and like what was the point of that um i think it feels pretty genuine i think they did a good job i think it landed excellent in an excellent way uh in in this content because you know ultimately ultimately if you're going to do something with old content, there's two ways to do it. You can do it in this re- in this way. They did it as like a complimentary thing where, hey, you're going to have this pretty cool experience. It's going to feel nostalgic. You're going to go back into an old area. It's going to be like, oh my gosh. Like When I saw the Oversoul, I actually thought that we were going into uh, the throne room of, uh, of Crota. 
Like you can see in my picture here, I took some pictures today. You can see it there behind Nacris. I saw that in the distance, and I thought, dude, here we go. We're going into we're going into Crota's throne throne room. This is pretty dope. This is gonna be awesome. People are like, no, 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 no. That's not where you're going. And then the closer I got, the more I was like, dude, this is freaking Court of Orcs. Like I saw the statues. That was pretty awesome. That was pretty awesome. If they would have brought it back as a grindable activity, it, okay, this is one of the dilemmas of year three. One of the dilemmas they faced in year three is that if something comes back, it also is then going away. So if they would have brought back Court of Oryx this late in the season, people would have been like, what in the world? We get to run it for like a week or two and then it goes away. Okay. Um, and, and if they would have brought it really, really early in the season, it wouldn't have had the same punch in this, in this scene and in this mission. So I, that's one of the benefits of going into year four is they're not going to be painted into this corner anymore. Well, we want to do this really cool thing with court of orcs, but it's going to expire in a month. So we can't do it. We can only use it as a story mission. That's not an oversoul. Isn't it just a big taken blight? Homie, I don't know. It looks just like the Oversoul. <laughs> it looks just like the Oversoul. I mean, graphically, it may be the exact same thing. Lore-wise, it, it, it may it may not be. So, if you're keeping up with the lore, Nacris is there, and that is the Court of Savathun. There's no surprise in this. Well, I mean, for people keeping up with the lore. How many Destiny players keep up with the lore? <laughs> you know? and boo with the next question as an avid fan of story based content I really enjoyed the last mission however I did not enjoy the story being told to me via lore cards I believe um, they should be there to enhance not tell it is it likely or even possible that we will get more in game story beats in year 4 so yeah related to what was just said no youtube chat's not down I'm seeing you and other people typing Um, so I actually think they've got a pretty good balance right now where really good things were happening in the game and if you were running interference each week you would if you're running interference each week you would get pretty good um, pretty good story injection and there's more if you want to go read it I would even say in season of the worthy they did a really good job with this the Fellwinter, the Fellwinter's Lie Quest was actually really, really good. And I know people, not a lot of people agree with me on that. Why? Well, I'm kind of surprised that people don't agree with me on that more universally because that I think was awesome. We went down, we got a backstory with all of those little projections, and then we literally go down and we see, we literally go down and we see the original Rasputin's like orbiting system that he was. Um, I, you know what I mean? Lore should be audio playable while you're playing. Listen, I have always said it would be pretty cool if you could go through and whenever you get lore cards, you could just opt to go in and click a button and have it like they got somebody to read through it. But again, that takes time to get somebody to go and record it all, you know, upload it all. Audio files tend to take up the most space. So you're asking them, think about every single lore card that's in the game right now and you want them to go through and have recordings for all of those. It would take a crazy amount of space. You're you're talking about... I don't even know. I don't even know how many they'd have to record. There's a ton. 
Um, and then not only would they have to record all the ones that are already there, but they, they, they also would have to um, record new audio every time new stuff happens. Uh, audio could be hosted on the server. I don't know if they have the technological capability of doing that because it's not really like a dedicated server setup. They use servers, but it's not, it's not necessarily uh, the same. So hire me to read lore. It'd be hilarious to get somebody in there with like a real thick southern accent, you know? And then Oryx came down into the pit of darkness and he grabbed himself. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I should do I should do a separate channel. Hillbilly Jack reads Destiny lore. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. Anyway, um, there's a guy in chat right now. It's like, well, now I could get down with that. I could listen to that. That'd be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um so the I would I I don't know. I I get where you're coming from. I really really do. Uh I really really do. You know, you, having more lore in the game would be dope, but again, it doesn't seem to be a front burner issue with them and it also it also seems like the 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 time involved in the audio files could just be a technical barrier, you know. Why do you got to make fun of us southerners? <laughs> I'm not making fun. Dark Calamity. I love Destiny's story, and I always have. A lot of exotics have lore on them, which I feel is wasted content, which can be added in the game during their acquisition quest. What do you think is the most effective delivery method for Bungie to push this next year's uh, story beats and lore? Well, first and foremost, I think they did a really, really good job with this year. I, I wouldn't say, like, that's the end of the matter like they're done just do it like this all the time but I feel like we got really really good story beats and rhythm in year three um obviously since they're taking stuff out and making space it'd be pretty cool to maybe have a little bit more of the cutscenes I think the cutscenes are nice I know that they're they're probably expensive to produce record and make you know comparatively to just doing like a dialogue box when you go talk to an NPC uh, you know, comparatively, it's yeah, it's pretty pricey. And so, as far as like the most effective delivery for them to push story beats, there there's not like a there's not a um, there's not a perfect way to do this or the best way to do this. Because um, okay, so w- one season we had lights moving on a board. This season we came back every single week and we reran a mission. And then what else did we do? Um, we built the we built the, uh, the 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 Vex Gate with Ikora, but then ultimately that you know that ended up leave, they that ended up not even staying in the game. Um, you know if we if we continue to do stuff like that, I would maybe just consider doing some maybe more base level springboard cutscenes um, that could be. That could be a great way, I think, to maybe set it up. Because I think sometimes this is something that typically happens in these debates. You have people that are like, I really want to see more cutscenes. And then you have guys like me that are like, I just would prefer more content and stuff to do. And you can add story along the way. So maybe we could maybe meet in the middle. You know, we could maybe meet in the middle. Because I think it was the last time we went into Vex Offensive, there was pretty good dialogue from our ghost the entire time. But there wasn't a cutscene, and we really didn't do anything that significant with Ikora. We went and talked to her about it. 
And then, you know, we catch the interest of Osiris and he's like, you know, hey, you've been busy. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. Let's talk to Osiris. Would a cutscene have been helpful there? Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe once you finish that last mission and you go back to the tower, having Osiris show up and be like, you've been busy, you know, hey, come and talk to me whenever you're done with all of this. And that's sort of like the, they're just, they're just putting that down there as like a seed to say, hey, that's next uh, season, you know, a next season seed. (laughs) That's not easy to say, you know, and then they put it in there. I'm never going to beat Bungie up about a lack of cutscenes or that we want more cutscenes. I'm never I'm never going to beat them up about that. Typically, I get really critical about lack of substance or poor execution on content or you know, lack of depth or upgrades and things like that to the gun systems. I'm usually going to be a little bit less critical of a lack of cutscenes and a lack of story elements because generally speaking, we don't get a ton of playability out of that, which is one of the reasons why I think the interference mission system was such an excellent setup. We need 19 more likes for 800. If you're just tuning in, we're doing our Q&A segment. I talked about the final interference mission. It's basically a podcast format that's interactive. If you want to submit questions, you got to be a paying member or a Patreon. You can use the YouTube chat or the Discord. And likes help the video get recommended. Uh, it's free to subscribe on YouTube. This is a little bit different than the other platform. You can click subscribe for free. And the join button is if you want to do the direct paid membership. So I'm just never going to be that guy. I'm never going to be that guy to like step up to the plate and be like, dude, I can't believe about the lack of story and cutscenes. I'm usually my, my thing. And you guys should know this by now. If you've, if you've kind of been here for these debates and arguments, my main target is always the content loop itself. Is it a good content loop? And is the incentive is the gear is the guns is the loot good enough to motivate uh, engagement. That's generally where I start. That's the main engine of destiny good content loop and really really good loot incentive those are sort of the two things that if they get that wrong it really doesn't freaking matter if they have a stellar cutscene or we blow up the almighty a great example would be season of the worthy content loop sucked and the loot incentive was pretty weak so it didn't matter that there were some cool story elements going on and the pyramid ships were getting closer and we blew up the almighty Did any of that make up for the fact that we hated the tower event and that the loot wasn't that great? No, it was a bad season. And that's what's so sad. The worst season of year three had some of the coolest developments in it. (laughs) We team up with Rasputin. The pyramid ships are on the way. We go down into a crazy old school bunker. We find the original Rasputin. We get the whole backstory of what Rasputin did to Fellwinter. And we blow up the Almighty in the first ever live event in Destiny history. And it's all in the worst season of Destiny. None of those things I rattled off made up for the fact that the content loop was terrible. And the loot incentive was pretty ho-hum. So that's why I that's why I always focus on that. You're never going to band-aid over or it's like so I got, you know, I get some burger meat from the butcher and I put breadcrumbs in there and that helps the the the, the patty from shrinking, right? 
you're never gonna breadcrumb a season with story. Well, we can really pack this in here. And it'll keep the it'll keep the weak content loop and the bad and the bad loot incentive. It's gonna keep all that from being bad. I just don't think so. None of us really hit us because we didn't get to see any of it. Well, again, again. I'm not saying it was it was amazing. What I'm saying is it was pretty cool, pretty significant stuff, and it landed in the worst season, and therefore didn't make up for the bad content loop, and and the, and the bad loot incentive. If Season of the Worthy would have had a content loop similar to Sundial, similar to Vex Offensive, it would have been a really good and fun and rewarding content loop. And if the loot incentive would have been awesome, if the if the the seraph weapons would have been cooler, better. I know the I know the warmind cells were cool, but you know tyrant surge really kind of overrode ever running those weapons. If all that would have been better, that's the that's the other thing is it would actually make the story elements and it would have made the 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 rhythmic storytelling I think would have been more interesting. It was hard for people to care. You're like, dude, the bunker grind sucks. The tower event sucks. I don't care that the lights are moving. That was a common response from people. They're like, dude, I don't care the lights are moving in the in the bunker. That doesn't matter to me. Ooh, pretty lights. Eh, the bunkers are they're, they're, they're a slog. The tower event sucks. And then they made it harder. <laughs> they made the tower event harder. So I Yeah, I uh that's just sort of giving you my bias. That's giving you my background uh, on why I don't get too harp. I don't really harp on this issue. Thank you guys for 800 likes. That really helps the video get recommended. I really appreciate that. Felwinder's Lie is the only good thing that season. I love that mission. I thought that Felwinter's Lie mission was so dope. And then the lore cards after the fact were equally dope it was really really good when when we went down there and i was like is that the original rasputin just chilling down here he was just a basic like (laughs) he he was just a basic satellite and now he's essentially a technological god i thought that was awesome bunkers were dope shut it oh come on they were they were not that good they were cool they did a great they did a great the design team nailed it but they were not they were a slog and the loot attached to them wasn't that good so it just it it becomes um it becomes a formality it becomes a, a chore you know i don't know i i think that's one of the things that reasons it fell flat Akuta Papa with the next question. Did people miss the fact that we killed Nacris? This is him either being resurrected or a form of necromancy. What do you think that could mean for our Guardian's future? Well, obviously, I think this is connected to our larger battle with Savathun. She can't be happy about the fact that we strutted in here and killed him unless that was part of her plan. It's always difficult with a character like Savathun. You don't know if you're playing into their plan or thwarting their plan. You're actually never quite sure which way is up. Um, it it's 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 something that I think is going to be really really fun about her and the storyline with Savathun and maybe even the missions that we end up going on in Witch Queen and cutscenes and stuff. I, I don't know if they're going to do a head turn looky-loo. Like, we're all looking over here at Savathun and, like, something crazy happens. Like, I don't know, Oryx shows up. Because uh, there's, you know, there's rumors in the lore that they're trying to resurrect Oryx. Um, 
So, in, I think it's tied to Savathun, but again, the question is, is, is this what she wanted us to do, or are we thwarting her plan? We probably won't truly know until we get all the way to Witch Queen. Um, she don't care. She got what she needed from him. That true. I mean, I'm mean, sorry. That too. We, she could have been literally just like, yeah, who cares? He's he's just a uh, he's just a tool. Being able to glitch over to Fellwinter's Peak and climb the mountain again in D1 was the best part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people did that. A lot of people did that. The SMG sidearm and the shotgun weren't bad, but reissued Icolos weapons outshine them. Well, and when you say they weren't bad, I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? If I'm going to take the time to go through that grind and the bunker and go for those weapons, they should be good weapons with really, really good potential rolls, not weapons that are like, well, they're not that bad. Um, I I know some people were rocking the shotgun in trials because of its because it could roll with the Vorpal and they'd switch to it on super rounds. That was always fun to watch people do, like playing at that level, knowing that you know supers were about to be in play, and then getting out a Vorpal shotgun. You know, it was cool seeing people kind of take it to that uh, to that level of thoughtfulness. But in general, I don't think those weapons brought enough because. Um, as I, as I've said, I'm looking at the content loop and the loot incentive, and 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 worthy just lacked on both fronts. They just lacked on both fronts. Um, it, the content loop was not enjoyable. Tower event was just not that good, and the loot incentive was weak. It wasn't awful, but it wasn't good either. I, I've always said this: if you put something really really dope in content that I don't like. I'll probably go engage with that content. If you put something amazing in Gambit, and I know I can get a really, really healthy drop rate. You know, you do um, a bounty or a boon, and I know I can grind Gambit and get a really, really good healthy turnover rate of that weapon, then I will do it. If there had been really, really you know, stellar, standout things in uh, the tower and the bunkers... I would have gone for them and been like, yeah, this event stinks, but man, this gun, if I finally get a good one. Yeah, the Carminica Shader. I mean, I went and did all that stuff in Crucible, and it wasn't that much, but that's not what I want to do. I don't like Crucible. Um, so, it was only good if you were invested in the cells, otherwise, meh. And Tyrant Surge just really, really made it tough to want to do anything with the guns because... It, uh, it was like you could get so many more Warmind cells with the tire with Tyrant Surge. So, uh, Necro with the next question. Do you think Savathun is fighting against the darkness? It sounds like Nocris was telling us the power the pyramids possess would ruin us. Um, your website's awesome. Thank you. I don't necessarily know if it's as simple as oh, the darkness is wrong and the pyramids are going to ruin us or whatever. She's definitely... Savathun is definitely abandoning sword logic and and seeing the entire belief system of the hive as folly, but she's also using it. It's kind of weird. It's like, okay, well, what... Where Where is she headed then? What's her ultimate plan then? Um... Uh... You know, you know a season is bad when you have to nitpick the good parts? Exactly, exactly. Savathun is working to get rid of the darkness. 
Yeah, it does seem like she's working against the darkness, doesn't buy into sword logic anymore, doesn't buy into the darkness anymore. Now, I don't know what that ultimately means. Um, She's trying to escape death by any means necessary. Right, it could be total self-interest survival, and maybe that's why the stuff that we've been reading, it's like, oh, wow, you know, she's abandoning everything that she's ever believed. Um, you know, trying she's trying to get rid of her worm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in general, I don't know enough about the lore to say more than I am genuinely interested in what her ultimate destination is. Because I have theorized, since we're harnessing stasis and because we're harnessing stasis the orbs of uh, of light that we see being in the in the clips that we've seen so far they're orbs of power and i have said this is the first of three dark subclasses that we will get we will get three dark subclasses and the third dark subclass will happen in lightfall and that's why it's called lightfall and we will become a guardian of power and we will no longer be a guardian of light now possible savathun is on the same path she wants to become a being of power there could be something else going on in the grand scheme of things which light and dark aren't really what matters ultimately there are forces that we can tap into that are pure sources of raw power that could make savathun or us a a very very dangerous uh elements in the universe there was um in the in the wheel of time there was always like the true source and the one source or something and one of them was actually pure and stronger uh but devastating potentially to the user i forget how all that works now i've not read those books in ages so there could be something behind what we see as dark and light are mere expressions of pure power in the universe that just takes on different faces and when we wield all of them we become a guardian of power and Savathun could potentially be wanting to go along the same path of abandoning dark abandoning sword logic in her worm and becoming a being of power um I I don't know enough to go deeper than that that's all very basic that's all very theoretical I just I'm just kind of talking off the top of my head uh so yeah I never finished the wheel of time either um I never finished it Savathun's also trying to create her own source of power without relying on darkness in order to reign supreme. Also, the benefit the Hive have uh, is their one true god. Huh. Yeah. That's about as deep as I can sled. I can't go into the heavy sledding uh, of, of, of all of the, the deep, deep lore. So, Will there be anything special about the last interference mission? As far as we know, the one that you can run this week is the last one. We are going to dive in at reset and run another one. More than likely, it, um, more than likely, there's nothing new planned. Because timeline-wise, that was the last one before Beyond Light was supposed to launch. So, it wouldn't have made sense to have more planned. Unless they pull a rabbit out of the hat and surprise us. I don't think they have anything more planned with respect to the story of Season of Arrivals. Savathun and her siblings only wanted to live long enough to seek vengeance for their father's death at the hands of Tox. Uh, Sadly, they still have not gotten their vengeance. Yeah, we'll be done with Q&A in time for reset. Behemoth. 
I think the darkness wants to help us kill Sabathun to worship them against the Traveler. What is your side? Yeah, see, this is kind of related to what I was just talking about. I, I don't know enough. Here's 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 what I'll, I'll I'll say. It does seem like we are pivotal in uh, Teox. Thank you. It does seem like we are pivotal in the universe. We're a hinge on which everything seems to turn. Um, going into the Ascendant Realm and killing Oryx, Eris says, you are right, my queen, the Guardian was the key. Without us, why would the darkness be twi- trying to woo us? Why would the pyramid ships say, we're your salvation? Why would, why would these things be happening? Why are we suddenly okay with wielding stasis, which is a dark power? Um, I, I don't know. It's like we're a conduit... we're some sort of a conduit or catalyst for the way that the trajectory of the universe is going to turn like why did Kalos take an interest in us you know what I mean a lot of these things could be um could be all interrelated and that's why the darkness is trying to woo us to their side because we're strong enough to deal you know yeah we're paracausal so it it's possible that's why we're constantly they're constantly taking an interest in us um not even the Vex can simulate what we do. Right. Guardians make their own fate. So, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see what they have in store. Because it, it, I've got my own theories, and there's plenty of other ones out there at this point. Matt, what is your theory for the Vex not being in the room with the pyramid ship? The light has not failed them. Vex have no connection to light or dark. Yeah, there were a lot of us kind of theorizing as to why the Vex aren't in the room. So um, I've got an image here. Uh, There you go. So that was the image I took, you know, while I was in there. And when you're in that room with like the floating pyramid ship and the shadows and all of that, there are uh, no Vex present. They are absent. And that likely has to do with the fact that they don't really seem to wield dark or light powers. The Vex are... I don't even know. They're they are their they're almost their own entity. They're their own force. They they seemingly can jump timelines. They can simulate reality. And I've I'm still convinced that the stranger is in some sort of a time war with the Vex. Um So the Vex are kind of similar to us, maybe, in that, you know, Teddy's saying they're their own paracausal force. They seem to kind of do their own thing, and according to the lore, if I remember right, Atheon wasn't just trying to delete us or leave us in the dark corners of time. He was trying to eliminate us from history. And so that's actually something that is in Wheel of Time. There's There's a power in the Wheel of Time called Balefire, I think, and they're not supposed to wield it because it can have dramatic effects. So if they use Balefire to defeat an enemy, it deletes the person from history. Everything they've done, every every person they've killed or interacted with, their entire timeline is undone, and they cease to exist in a permanent and, and retroactive way, so they're not supposed to use Balefire. I think I'm remembering that correctly. So... Uh, it's it's possible that that's kind of something that's been going on. If Atheon's trying to literally delete us from existence in a way that Balefire would, like in the Wheel of Time, um, yeah, they, they the oracles and Atheon and Vogue have the power to erase you from existence, right? In a permanent retroactive sense, 
Uh, if that's the case, then the Vex aren't interested in light or dark. They can literally wield time as a weapon. <laughs> like, I don't know. They, they, yeah, they're biomechanical, so maybe the darkness has no hold on them. Right, if they're biomechanical, then I don't know. It, it That all gets interesting because they're biomechanical, and yet in the exo... Uh, the exo... Um, the Bray Exo facility screenshots that we've seen, it looks like an uh, an Exo unit and a Vex unit are in the same like tube hooked up to each other. So maybe the Brays studied the Vex to create biomechanical beings known as Exos, and yet Exos can be guardians. But then the stranger, Elsie Bray, says she's not born of light. So she's something else. Her ghost is not a ghost, according to Luke Smith. And according to dialogue, she is not born of light. So what in the frick is she? She may quite possibly be the first guardian of power, and we just don't know it yet. And she's taking us on a similar path. And maybe that's required to fight all the various sources that are out there. We need the ability to wield the power of stasis because of what the Vex are doing and that's how we're going to stop you know the Fallen and we're going to stop Aramis but then maybe there's a bigger goal in in, in Elsie Bray's mind about the, the Vex and what she's been doing with them I think she can time travel uh, I don't know and then there's the Taken there's the Throne of the Hive we never ascended to the Hive Throne after it was vacated by Oryx so somebody's going to take over there and then the Taken have their interest and what they want to do and then we got the pyramid ships showing up and they're kind of like, yeah, 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 no, no, no. We're here to save every, we're here, we're here to be your salvation. Um, on the Europa next page, uh, it's ancient power, not gear power. That's right. I typed that up this morning and I, I mistyped it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ancient power awaits you on Europa. I can't edit that extremely easily. Um, yeah. Ancient power awaits you on Europa. Yeah. I type. this is my outline. I typed it this morning for my, uh, for my blog. I'm sorry for the for the podcast segment. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I, it's just one of those things where it's like I, the Vex aren't in the room and they're doing their own thing. You know, we kind of gone we've kind of gone full circle on this question, but I, you know, cool things could be coming with respect to Elsie and the Vex and everything that you know we've been kind of waiting on. I still think in D1 when she's talking to us and then she says in her little comm unit, she says, you know, seal the doors and don't let them hear you or whatever. Um, I still think she's talking to us in the future. Like she goes back and interacts with us when we're a young whippersnapper guardian and then we're a god killer in the future that she's interacting with. You know, she's talking to us in the future. I think that'd be pretty cool. That'd be a pretty cool first, a full circle moment. Reaper with the next question. Lonu, do you think that we would have had more replayability and an overall better experience out of this mission had they introduced some sort of runes dri- uh, driven quartz Sabathun like in the the Taken King? Yeah, see somebody already asked this. We kind of this is a bit of a repeat. That's okay though. Um this is one of the advantages of submitting your questions before I go live in Discord. If you're a paying member and you're hanging out in Discord, uh, VIPs can get an hour of early access and then after that, anybody can submit questions as long as they're a paying member. So you're going to avoid those repeats sometimes if you get the questions in early enough. I will consistently say on this subject that bringing back places like Archon's Forge, Court of Oryx, 
Blind Well, Escalation Protocol, Black Armory Forges, Menagerie, Vex Offensive, Sundial. You know, loopable match-made content. You know, it puts you in there with other folks. Well, Archon's Forge, Court of Oryx, and, and Blind Well aren't. But that kind of content, I'm going to consistently say, if it comes back, I believe there are minimum quality points that Bungie needs to hit. Make it match-made, make it accessible, make it fun, and make it non-failable. And then if you want to have non-match-made, harder versions that are failable, then that's where you bring in a normal and a hard mode. And you bring in, um, you know, you bring in a, uh, a, a, a loot incentive as well. So you're not just like, yeah, this, you know, this is just a harder mode for the fun of it. Um, so... It, they, if they would have bra- brought back the Court of Oryx and not done those things, it would have been a total waste of time. It would have been a total waste of time. Yeah, don't worry about the repeat. I'm answering it another way. Sometimes I answer questions twice, and I answer it from two different ways. So my answer to you is this. If they would have brought it back, and there wouldn't have been a cool loot incentive, and it wouldn't have been loopable, non-failable, like really make sure people are constantly in the instance, then it would have been a total waste of effort. It would have been a total waste of effort. No reason to do it. If you bring back Archon's Forge, if you repurpose the Blind Well, if you bring back the Black Armory Forges of the Menagerie, please don't do it unless you actually go by the fundamentals of content that you've established up to now, which is accessible, match-made, non-failable. Although I know the Black Armory Forges were failable, but I mean, once you're at level, it, it, really unlikely, really unlikely uh, that's going to happen. That you're going to fail those Black Armory Forges. I don't. I really don't see that. You know, the the main reason Black Armory forges were failable that first week was because of the the, the, the power level uh, difference. The light level difference was sort of the main uh, the main cause. Arbalist says, "It seems to me that the Cabal won't have much of a presence in Beyond Light. Do you think Callus's sister will lead the Cabal back in a menacing way later in Year Four? I mean, I didn't even know Callus had a sister, so that's news to me. Callus is leaving." I think that's why the pursuit weapon is from him. I think there's going to be a story element tied to that. It's going to be like a gift from a parting gift from Callus. Um, and he's leaving. We don't know why. I wouldn't be surprised if the Leviathan makes a return at some point just because they could repurpose some of that content. They could repurpose the layers, the, the raid itself, the Leviathan. They could repurpose uh, the menagerie. These are all things. Oh, daughter, not sister. Okay. So do you think his daughter will lead the Cabal back in a menacing way? I have no idea. Savathun seems to be the central focus of year five, and year six is Lightfall. We have no idea what that's all about. We really, really don't. Uh, so, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, because they've said nothing about her. They haven't even said anything about Callus leaving. Now, we know from data mines there's going to be, like, some final event or something. I'm not spoiling anything, by the way. It's just an emblem that says we have to witness something. They've done this season to season. Witness this, witness this, witness this. So something's going to happen at the end of the season. I'm not going to spoil anything by telling you what the title of it is or theorize about what it's going to be. But it's not hard to like look at the skyline and look at the four ships and look at the DCV and the four pyramid ships and the four planets that are going away and think that okay something's probably going to happen here maybe when they do that they do sort of a send off 
for Callus. You know, um, and if they do, then maybe they make mention of her. Maybe not. I, I don't really know. Up to now, they've said so little. I, mean, I don't. Even, I, I didn't even know he had a daughter. Um, so I would think they'd want to plant a seed first before doing that. Um, you know, before doing that, I would think that they would want to at least be like, hey. He has a daughter, so it's not just so out of left field. Because for me, I mean, your your question is uh, is out of left field because of that. It's like, oh wow, a, a daughter? What? So if they were gonna do something with her, I would think she would show up, or I'm sorry, not show up, but like they'd at least mention her name dropper. I don't know. It's there on the air apparent lore tab. Yeah, but again, they're if they're not making it super abundant and clear, I mean. They don't necessarily have to say, you know, hey, I have a daughter, just so you know. They don't necessarily have to do that. Um, they could they could just have her be a surprise, but we we all like Callus as a character. I don't know why they would remove him, you know, and then never, what, never make mention of him again, and all of a sudden she comes in. Arbalus says, who else do you think the darkness is in contact with? So, Eris hints at the fact that the darkness might be communicating with more than just us, and I think this is a hint about what we've already sort of deduced and theorized with respect to Zavala. There are a handful of lore cards in the game right now, uh, you can go read on different items, that seems to indicate Zavala is being communicated with, wooed, seduced, whatever, by Savathun. So, we don't know if that means he's potentially on his way out. Does that mean he's, um, you know, he's he's gonna get he's gonna get killed? He's gonna become our enemy? I don't know. The darkness is talking to other races like the fallen. That's also possibly what she was referring to, because when you go to that room, the fallen are in there, and the shadow coming from the fallen to the pyramid ship seems to indicate something about that. Um, and then there's other there's other races in there looking at the pyramid ships. Um, that's possible uh, too. That you know they're they're making it clear that we're not the only ones the darkness are messing with. Maybe maybe we're intended to hear that and think that like okay, the darkness is trying to, trying to woo everybody to its side to form like a super team or something. Um, maybe. Lance Riddick tweeted about recording new lines for Destiny. Exciting stuff, he called it. Well, that's good. Um, I'm glad they've kind of got him to sign on, you know, for for a lot more stuff because he's great. I get I, I get a little concerned. Though. I'm like, maybe they're using him a bunch because they're getting ready to send him off. You know, <laughs> it's like you ever watch a television show and you're like, oh no. Oh no, they're focusing too much on this character, man. They're going to make me really like this character. They're going to make him really dope and add a bunch of depth and then wham, they kill him at the end. You're like, I knew it. I knew I knew they were making me like the character too much. Is Savathun talking to Zavala, not the darkness, trying to manipulate him? Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe I'm conflating terms here. Savathun and the darkness, but on this mission... 
we go in here and she talks about how Nocris is doing stuff for Savathun. So it's not that far of a, a hop, skip, and a jump to mean like, well, yeah, she's speaking generically, and it could include Zavala. Um, to be fair, they sent off three characters who barely played a role in terms of VA this season. So, right, right, that's true. They did, they did that as well. Um, you know, they, they're, uh, whoops, they're, they're consistently um, giving us, I think reasons to suspect there's going to be a bit of a shakeup with the NPCs as far as like who sticks around, who stays, who doesn't, you know, they're, they, they've made it pretty clear this season. They're okay with like getting rid of folks because they talked about how people are going to stay and fight. People are going to leave. People are going to go up and do this other stuff. And it's like all of it, they could all die. They could all go and die and not make it. You know, that could be the end of, you know, whoever, so it's possible they're uh, they're embracing more of a you know if you ever watch those shows, twenty four was one of those shows where no one was safe, other than Jack Bauer. I mean everybody, everybody's killable. You know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it's not fun. It wasn't meant to be funny, but I laughed whenever you know the CTU uh, the CTU offices the poison gets in the vents or whatever. And that one guy comes out and he didn't get the memo and he was like in the bathroom and he's like looking around. (laughs) He's like looking around and you know at that moment, oh, he's dead. He didn't make it. (laughs) He's calling calling what's-her-face's name, like the nerdy girl. He's like calling her name. He's like wondering where she is. And then he looks at her. Was it Edgar? Yeah, he's calling for Chloe. He's like, Chloe? Chloe? <laughs> it wasn't funny, but it was. I was like, oh, he's he's dead man. Yeah, that's the end of it, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Sean Asson takes the L, too. Yeah, he does, too. <laughs> but that was what, dude, 24 did not care, man. 24 was like, oh, you like that character? Kapow! Dead! out of the show gone you're like what you're like i like them oh you like this character (laughs) surprise mother they're bad they're the bad guy you're like what (laughs) nina what (laughs) so it seems like bungie is getting a little more cavalier with the character you know with the characters like all these these people that have you know, they've been here since Vanilla. Well, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll ship them on down the line. They're dead. They're gone. They're out of the story. Uh, they killed Cade 6. I mean, come on. I mean, there's, uh, there's room. There's room for, uh, for eliminating, uh, pieces of the character and the cast. I mean, Luke Smith's like, yeah, we can't bring back the, uh, the factions, the cast of characters in the tower is getting a little too, getting a little too full. And it's like, well, okay, there's an easy solution for that. Just send them on a mission. And then they don't, they don't come back. <laughs> so they may be getting ready to, to, to pull the, to pull the, the rug out from under Zavala. They're really going to make us like him. And they're going to do all this dialogue. And they're going to be like, all right, he's, uh, he's dead. Um, I don't know. They did that with Cade, you know? They set up Cade, central figure, really great scenes, really fun aspects in uh, Forsaken. And then Aldrin, uh, Aldrin gives him the old, um, the old one too. So, 
possible. It's possible they're getting ready to get rid of all of the old Vanguard heads. And then we have a new uh, a new Vanguard. We have the Stranger, Eris, and the Drifter. The unlikely, that unlikely trio on Europa, you know? So, listen, if you enjoyed this segment, I got another one for you coming up. VIP call-ins. If you want to take advantage of that, click the join button. Click VIP get in the discord that supports me directly and you can do voice call-ins for me debate this stuff discuss this stuff the final interference mission we're obviously going to check out the game in about 20 minutes at reset to see if anything new is going on with the interference mission or anything else you know anything else maybe you know maybe left over we don't know as always it's free to click subscribe so please do that if you haven't done so already click subscribe and then the like button every time we roll over the likes it helps the video get recommended and you guys have done another stellar job today uh, getting us close to 900 we're at 824 so we've been aiming at a thousand likes a day and we're well on our way again today so thanks so much for listening and watching in the other locations as well you can always watch live at saynotorage.com or if you want all of my content in one location sntrnetwork.com sntrnetwork.com Dot com for all of my content in one central hub. Stick around for more live content and call-ins, and if you're listening elsewhere, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the VIP call-in session that followed my talk about the final interference mission. If you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes or any of the podcast platforms, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com. If you also want a hub of all of my content, the Rageous Roundtable, which is returning, SNTR Presents, Repeat Theater, go to SNTRnetwork.com. SNTRnetwork.com. Bookmark it. It's got all the shows, all the rundowns, everything, every segment in one place for you. Uh, It's basically embedded from YouTube. So thank you to everybody who's been bookmarking and supporting that site, and thank you to Creature for building it. And we're going to be starting with Avenger today. We're going to go a little bit in reverse order. What did you want to call in about today? Yeah, so um, during your q and I remember you talking about how they were starting to do a little bit more on the environmental uh, design of encounters, um, using Prophecy for an example for that. The one thing I was very interested about is when they used the Court of Oryx and they kind of took the homage from the strikes with the crystals and the balls, they made it kind of they took a mechanic and it didn't feel the same like it felt like oh yeah killing the knight getting the ball and i'm gonna throw the ball at the crystal but it felt different because the crystals weren't just in the open standing there i had to go and move i had to go run to certain places it felt different do you think that they can take a lot of the existing mechanics that we have in the game right now and make us just oh we have to do this again and again like something like the corrupted ball um, where you just said, oh, I got to throw the ball at my team. And do you think they could amplify those instead of, you know, instead of forcing them to make all these new and interesting mechanics, mm-hmm. maybe making the ones that we don't like as much make us like them more in different iterations of them? Do you think that could be a new way that they can move forward with mechanics? I mean, I think so. I mean, the first thing I thought of as soon as you started your 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 commentary was we've already seen the tether mechanic is returning from Garden of Salvation. Um, we saw, we've seen screenshots of that. Now, I don't know if that's an activity, uh, you know, seasonal activity. Is it a mission? Is it a strike? We don't know, but it is returning. And I, I wonder if they can get 
more complex or maybe more challenging if we already know the basics. Now, they didn't really do that this time, right? I mean, we have to move a little bit and travel a little bit, but we already kind of knew what to do. Oh, there's a crystal. We're going to have to kind of wait for a knight, kill the knight, use the ball, throw the ball, you know, etc. So they could definitely do something like that with the, you know, the the tether effect from Garden of Salvation, the banking of the moats that we do in Garden of Salvation, and turn that into something that might be a little bit more complex because they don't need to teach you how to do it. Like, you already kind of know. You have that schema in your mind. And But I will say this. There's like a fine line between mechanics being put into content and it making it really enjoyable and mechanics being put into content and it becoming a bit of a headache. So, because with strikes and even something like Sundial... I think Sundial was right in a sweet spot where it required us to do just enough that it wasn't that frustrating or wasn't that halting. But if you go beyond that and it gets more complex than that, more evolved, more challenging, whatever, I think on your 17th, 18th run of the content, you're going to get annoyed with it. Um, And it's not going to be... Like, even today, when we were kind of trying to bake Nocris, I knew we were going to have to go to three phases. Like, he just health gates and goes immune. So I would say if, if, if I was giving advice or input or trying to give principles, if they're going to do something like this, I would like it to be something that could be finessed with time. So when I do it my 15th time, maybe I'm doing it faster, better, more efficiently. I'm killing the boss quicker because I'm better at the mechanic. Instead, if we ran that Nocris final mission um, and we got to the 15th time, 20th time, whatever it probably wouldn't have the same impact because you would know exactly what's coming. You would know exactly where to go. You would know you can't melt him. It's three phases of damage because uh, there's no modifiers to, like, overbuff anything, like a Wardcliff Arc Heavyweight, you know, bake or something. Um, you know, so I don't know. I just, I think that the best mechanics and the best sort of, the team's got to really, really synergize. They do tend to land in dungeons and raids and in strikes, I do feel like there's like an, an unspoken ceiling on how much they can ask of you because eventually I think it loses its punch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, the, the thing is, it just seems so like it's not um, like Necro said, it's not groundbreaking. It's not anything amazing. They just had us run, you know, a different direction and, you know, go up and down. Like it just felt different to me in the sense of the strike where there's just six floating crystals in the middle of the room. And there requires like no movement at all. And I think the emphasis that we've had, at least on this story mission, as well as the prophecy dungeon with in regards of movement, um, I feel like has been very, very big. And also having stasis come in, which will be changing our movement when not only being able to pell ourselves with the ice wall grenades, but being able to slow enemies movements as well as, you know, I feel like the ability for mechanics to be focused more around movement could be another way that we can evolve the mechanics and take old ones and put them into the new aspect with that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that if... <laughs> whenever I'm whenever I'm thinking about, you know, the, the content and the, the stasis and how, you know, combat might change, it is possible that they can do more with movements and area and space with some of the changes they're making to the scripts. And it makes me think of the the Axis fight. I wonder 
if one of the reasons we really remember and like the as- the Axis fight, even though it's honestly pretty basic, if you think about it, it's pretty basic, but it's memorable because there's so much movement. You're not standing in one place. So there's funny moments where people chest bump and somebody falls in the hole, and if you're really effective at moving from side to side and you know grabbing the cannon and you know you 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 toss the you take the shot with the scorch cannon you 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 thread the needle and get your server all of those are things that could be finessed i think that's one of the best fights as a test case for mechanics because i could finesse running the cannons i could run three i could finesse uh damage with positioning and slamming the plates so you had plate slamming um, calling out servitors, grabbing cannons, using cannons, throwing balls. There was all these different layers to the mechanics, and they uh, they could be finessed. And you can't really finesse standing on a plate or in what you're saying, right? Just being stationary. Even today, just minor amounts of movement can lead to funny moments. I mean, we were teasing Light Leap about falling, but that happens, right? When you got to move and you're kind of going quick, you, you take a misstep, or in his case, he mantled, and it did that mantle thing where it kicks you backwards. For I think that only happens on Hunters. I wonder if it's an actual glitch in the game. But, um, you know, moments like that don't happen when we're all standing in a circle in the Pyramidian just going from plate to plate, or we're standing in a, a circle on strange terrain, waiting for the knights, throwing the knights at the crystals, then shooting the boss. Because that fight... Um, Exodus Crash and the Fanatic. I mean, all these fights, the room's a big circle and you're kind of just in that area. So, it, you know, I would hope movement and terrain, and we're going to, I think we're going to get into terrain with Gritter, so I don't want to touch on that too much, but I think movement um, and also enemy response, something that is lacking when we move in some of these areas is the enemies can't really follow you or watch you because as soon as line of sight is broken, uh, it it's sort of, uh, they become sort of a non-threat. So with the scripting changes, maybe it's possible they can react to our location uh, in a more organic and faster way than they do right now. Yeah, the big thing moving forward is I want to see creative mechanics for not only the raids, but, you know, we're getting one strike. I want this strike to be out there. I want this strike to be something unique because we're only getting one of them. And, you know, that's fine because, you know, like you said, they've removed the focus off of strikes. And I think we all kind of seen that. Um from the last few years i just want to make sure that you know that one strike we're getting is something that's like oh yeah i remember that one strike i don't want to look back and be like yeah that strike was cool but there was really no strikes so and that's something that you know we had scarlet keep which was cool at the launch but no one remembered festered core until oh yeah there's a new thing there's the um it's the ordeal this this season like that that's really it and I'm just hoping that mechanics, at least moving forward, aren't just standing on plates and, you know, standing still and throwing balls at things in a giant open room. Um, and that's kind of what I'm really hoping for. And I think these, the prophecy and the stuff this season has really shown that I think they're moving towards more creative things. Yeah, I think Prophecy Dungeon's another great example. I, I kind of forget that one because it's a little bit more fresh, but there's tons of movement in prophecy and i love that from beginning to end there's tons of movement that might be why i like it so much it 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 reminds me a little bit of wrath of the machine there's an intensity there's a movement and i think maybe that's why that's when i get the most animated about like what contest modifier could bring because i do feel like prophecy is more enjoyable when you're a little weaker and can die a little bit quicker as soon as that threat's removed like it's, it's not as exciting but again i think you're right i think it brings the movement and that leads to 
it's not always the same. Sometimes you take a different route. Sometimes you end up on the left instead of the right. Sometimes he gets you with his blast and you end up going back. Uh, sometimes you fall. And and this happens from movement. The stand and bake, you know, the Crown of Sorrows boss, the, you know, a lot of the strike bosses. The reason the stand and bake, I think it's boring is because it does become very rote and very rehearsed. And there's no room for like finessing it. And the Axis fight never really felt the same. There was always something dumb or silly or funny that would happen. Always an opportunity to clutch. And I think that's where a lot of the memory driving aspect of that fight comes from is uh, is all of the movement. Yeah, that's that, that's just all I really want to talk about. I just hope to God they move away from just basic mechanics they've had for the last seven years. Yeah, yeah same. Right, yeah, you can move on to the next one. All right. Well, thanks for calling in, Avenger. I'm coming to you, Matt. Able to call in today. Was having some issues yesterday. Go ahead, sir. Maybe. He may have stepped away. You're muted, Matt. You might have to unmute yourself. And he is not. He may have stepped away. I'll loop back to Matt in just a brief moment. I'll just bounce right up to Light Leap. Saying names nice and slow and drawing it out to give you a chance. What did you want to talk about today, sir? Uh, I just wanted to say that, I don't know, contrary to others, I didn't like the mission very much. Specifically because um, I think the whole setup during the season, the missions are pretty short. And uh, the lore is... it, It doesn't really explain the necessary part of the lore very well. I always watch, like another content creator an Australian who does the lore summaries very well and a lot of the stuff is not very well like presented and I also think the the, the battle is too easy for what it represents in some way you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, I know Shadowkeep was um, a short expansion driven by business decisions of Bungie but I, I really would like them to focus more sort of what Avenger said on the difficulty and the buildup for an encounter like this and also explain more what is actually going on. I, I, I didn't know what was going on. Did you really know lore-wise what, what's happening? I mean, I had a general idea from Eris that Nocris was doing something for Savathun and was trying to lure us into the darkness. Like that's, that's kind of the gist of what I got from it. That's actually the opposite of what's happening. Apparently, like, Savathun is, is, doesn't trust the darkness and wants to transcend it. Uh, transcend it uh, um, uh, because she doesn't want to be dependent on the worms anymore. And Nocris, and she's trying to interfere with us. Like, the, oh, that's why it's called interference, right? She's trying to keep us from communicating with the darkness. And she's also tricking Nocris. I don't know. I don't want to get into too much detail. But that's what I'm saying. It's a little... It does it, unless I didn't read it. I just got it from the YouTubers, right? It's it, you would have to read, read the 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 lore in the books really, to understand what's happening. And I don't think that is very well represented. It doesn't feel like the climax of the season. I don't know. Maybe that's because also the of the delay. But mm-hmm. I feel like this could have been better presented. Yeah, I mean, I would have to agree since I did not catch that. It seemed like he was trying, Nocris was trying to lure us with the darkness, like make the darkness appealing. Um, and it seemed like he was doing that for Savathun, like he was working for her. Um, and, I, and the thing is, is I know that that's what Savathun is doing from the discussions we've had with chat. 
but the impression that I got from this was like they were trying to lure us with it or something or talk about how great it is um, and then obviously it ends by talking about like there's great power waiting for us on Europa um, so yeah I mean it's almost like they had all the right pieces and all the right parts but they didn't the, the script maybe could have been a little bit clearer because I thought the environment the setting and, and the music uh, and the and the final like where we finally end up was actually pretty cool Oh but yeah, that it, is always fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like the narrative though wasn't wasn't clear enough and given that I completely misunderstood it, I would say that's probably pretty true. And listen, I know I can be streamer and do like not and not pay attention to stuff, but I had the music on and I was paying attention and I was listening to the dialogue and it also was a week ago when I did that, so maybe I just got fuzzy on the details, but the impression that I got was like Nacris is hanging out in here, he's doing stuff for Sabathun, and he's talking about how great the darkness is. So, yeah. Yeah, I didn't mean to call you out and like, oh, oh, look, you don't know what you're doing. No, no, I, I meant that it's not very clear, but like the whole time, actually, the purpose, we're supposed to just go to Eris to read a message from the darkness, right? And then we get sent to the Ascenera because all of this interference from the Taken and Savathun, they're trying to keep us from reaching Eris to to decode this message, right? Um, yeah. that, it's, 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 it's not, yeah. I think, I don't know, maybe that's a problem of the seasonal model that they should limit themselves. For example, I really like the storyline of Felwinder because it wasn't drawn out. It was like one quest that hasn't, if it wouldn't have been for the bug, we would have solved it. And I don't know, it made everything pretty clear in my opinion. And this drawn out, like you do it weekly and then at some point, oh, there's something new, you like forget. You, you I don't know, it like doesn't, keep you completely in what's going on right yeah yeah and this is where it could get a little subjective because I do kind of like it drawn out a little bit I like little bits and pieces I think maybe they could have bolstered this with more than just dialogue like but I think sometimes they're just they're doing what they can like recording dialogue is easier than making cutscenes and and giving and giving us like more visuals but I don't know I actually kind of like it sort of developing over the course of the season because you know it gives you that reason to kind of check in each week I get my pinnacle and I get a little bit more of the story um, but then there are people that prefer the old way like they, pl- they plow through the story in the first week and then they don't look back I just, I just think that they created a great story mission that changes. There's a couple different versions, and then there's this final version. And replaying that all season is, in my mind, better than playing it one time. Because, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it has all the pieces of a good story mission. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's a new place we've never been. There's mechanics. There's enemies. It's it's a great setting. It's a really, really cool environment. Good music. Boss boss fight. And then loot. And so, they could have literally had us do this one time and then never again. And jammed the entire story into the entire, you know, the entire thing. So I actually like it trickled out, but I do think maybe they want to consider the people lose interest and also people have no clue that interference mission changes each week. So they could have maybe had the name change week to week to make it clear, like, look, it's going to be a little bit different. You're going to get some story. Because I feel like a lot of folks, somebody even said it in chat, they're like, eh, after the second or third week, I stopped doing it because it was just like the same thing every time. Um, so they could maybe add a little bit more variety, maybe give more visual cues to the users that like, look, no, this actually changes it, you know, each week. 
and and maybe make the the, the content change more dramatically. I felt like it was pretty good, um, but in in general, I like from a from a philosophical standpoint, I like this delivery of 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 story more than like everything in the first week, if that makes sense. No, that that is true. I mean, I, I'm just trying to find a negative to make a cause a little conversation. <laughs> On a, uh, I, I do agree that from all the seasons, this was probably the best. It it still feels I don't know to me. We're, we're all hyped for Beyond Light. This is all very to me. It's all just very shallow compared to what the game is supposed to be. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we'll all turn it out. But I also thought about other stuff. I don't know. Do you think they will mention? stuff like the, the shader system because i recently was thinking okay why am i so upset about this lack of Im- infos about beyond light and it's that there's so much annoying stuff back from the launch of the two still plaguing this game like the shader system and i kind of i don't know i i really i almost really when i thought about it, it irritated me to no end that they expect us to pay for a pretty big expansion and we still dismantle shaders like this and an overall inventory management. And th- this is yet another thing on the list that I thought, where is there enough time to to, to tell us what, what they're going to do about that? Because I don't really want to stand in the tower or after every activity dismantle shaders still in year four. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of rough edges, and I'm wondering if we're still... Because as far as I can tell, the UI is getting updated. I mean, just from the little we've seen of what looked like an updated UI for the subclasses, it seems like the UI is getting a bit of a facelift. And we also know that the API is getting the update with Vulcan, which should streamline stuff as well. Because, I mean, that's that's definitely something that... Moving stuff and using DIM... DIM has even gotten better and faster. Um right now and we don't we don't know why i mean i think they changed something in the back end maybe in anticipation of vulcan that's a different api oh already Uh, no 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 no. that's a different the graphic what vulcan is as far as i understand i'm also not an expert so please if there's an engine expert uh they're talking about the graphics api so uh, there is like the api for the apps there is there's commands for the engine how to draw certain resources from the graphics driver and the the graphics card mm-hmm. and b- before the engine was using an a- all d- different kinds of apis on different platforms right and n- if the if the leaks wish uh, if it wishes leaks are true then they streamlined this and unified this to all run on Vulkan, for example and in, in, instead of direct x12 right that what that's the api they're talking about Oh, I thought it had to do with the UI and the menus and stuff. No, okay. no, no. It, it really is. It can bring even performance updates. It definitely might mean for the developers that there will be less um, uh, drive um, development time or, or testing time, right? Because because uh, everything will be running on the same Vulkan API to 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 basically uh, draw like everything that right now like the API uses to access Destiny. The, as far as I understand. The graphics API is like a similar thing that that basically accesses the abilities of the graphics card and then the processors. So, um, th- yeah, that, that's the graph. That's what Vulcan would do. It would be okay. basically instead of developing, instead of testing or or adjusting the the APIs for the different systems, they would have one unified one, and it might even be a performance increase on PC because apparently Vulcan is a bit uh, better than DirectX 11. 
Right. I mean, it could be why we felt like some of the trailers look smoother, too. Like, why would that... I mean, that could be related to this. Like, they're able to make things just look smoother, um, less rigid um, with, you know, the enemy movement. I mean, as far as what you're talking about, like, with shaders and stuff, I feel like that's got to be coming because they talked about bounties being accessible from orbit. So there's got to be a UI blog or TWAB or video. The fact that they did the storm thing on Wednesday... And they did something else on Wednesday. I, I'm i holding out hope that we don't have to purely rely on TWABs for good information. So my hope would be that we have at least one vid doc that we know of that has been filmed. They, you know, that was tweeted out. So there's at least one vid doc. And those are usually pretty awesome, pretty substantive. So we've got that. I'm hoping for maybe a handful more of those Wednesdays where they say, hey we wanted to do you know a pretty lengthy blog update on what you can expect with respect to ui changes that maybe would touch on shaders and then you know twabs twabs could be more about because we're supposed to get 12 about sandbox right that doesn't make sense for a blog that's a twab thing they almost do the the pre-patch notes patch notes in a in a twab they explain you know developer philosophy between behind why I'm predicting they're going to really buff rocket launchers when they said some some hefty updates. So I think rockets are about to get some love. Well, they like to give the you know the developer commentary there. I feel like they have plenty of twabs left to do some of that. They're at least going to touch on sandbox. That's been a promise that's been made. And then, you know, I think I also think we want to get some director commentary, some developer commentary on leveling XP and the artifact bounties. Like, what's that all going to look like? I'm not talking about UI like accessing them from orbit. So. I get why people are like, yo, this game still has so many rough edges, man. I've got, I'm deleting blues all the freaking time. Like, that's honestly, you bring up shaders. I get tired of after every mission not being able to pick anything up because I'm constantly having to delete blues. That would be a great, great quality of life update. They did that in D1. Auto delete greens or whatever. And it's the same blues, even. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For like three years with no random rolls. They are like, like even interesting to check out. I sometimes put on a blue auto rifle just to, you know, because it's a different weapon. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I just wanted to stress that I think there is a lot of stuff in the game. Why people think it's a negative. I feel like after three years, if they want us to continuously invest in a game, I think it's fair to expect really a fresh look. But I do agree. If I remember the... I hope there's UI update coming if I remember the stasis subclass screen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm fairly certain those subclass screens were were a pretty clear hint that we are getting a uh, we're getting an up a pretty a pretty significant update to the UI and the menus. So I'm excited to maybe get a a bigger a bigger look at it than we than we're currently getting. Yep, I hope they're gonna start talking. Alright, thanks. That's that's all I got. Alright man. I should be able to loop back to Matt now. If you're there, Matt, I'm coming to you to unmute. Go ahead, sir. Uh, thank you for your patience, sir. What a week this has been. <laughs> I've got uh, I've got three pretty mini points um, I'd like to hit. Uh, the first one that we haven't, at least I haven't heard talked about today is I liked the opportunity as a single player to run this mission the first week underpowered blind and and really struggle and then each week kind of level up and then decide on a loadout so by the last week i felt really smooth like i knew what i was doing i had a good loadout and i ran through it and i felt powerful and i felt like i accomplished like i i went from knowing nothing 
to really dominating this story mission. And I enjoyed that kind of self-progression along the way. Oh, did your mic cut out or is that what you were going to say? Oh, so that, yeah, that was just the, my first okay. point. I was curious if what you thought about that self-progression of ha being able to run the same loop over and over, like you get to really get it down. Yeah, I mean, I definitely learned some hard lessons, like bringing guillotine wasn't very helpful because a lot of the times the boss and the shriekers were really far away, so I needed a distance weapon. So, like, I was consistently making sure to bring, like, a good linear fusion, a 1K or a grenade launcher, and I typically would go to the tribute hall ahead of time because uh, there were a couple of times... I went in there with guillotine, and I'm like, yeah, this really doesn't work for guillotine. There's a lot of stuff kind of up in the air, and I can't use my guillotine on that. Uh, I definitely got better, too, at, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I run it solo every week. I run it solo every week. And there were a handful of times I tried to run it solo, and I would end up, like, the only aggro source in the room. And so I'm getting, like, double shot by ogres and wi wizards and stuff and getting kind of irritated. And then they spawn you way far back, and you got to run all the way forward. And then there's the push pads on the one version. Um... But I would I would agree on a, in a in a general way that one of the benefits of rerunning something like this is you do learn those hard lessons and then you come back. You know, if there's a lot of story missions that we ran over the years that maybe you had a rough time or maybe you got into the boss fight and you're like, oh shoot, I got the wrong loadout. Well, then you if you rerun it, you can kind of come back. And I I was kind of touching on that with Avenger with the mechanic discussion about like it should be something I can finesse. I think there's something really satisfying about finessing content, which is why I think sometimes we overstate. We're like, oh, we just melt bosses, melt bosses. It's just a boss melt. I mean, yes and no. Some of that just comes from finessing the content, knowing where to stand and knowing what you know what to use. Um, so I, uh, I definitely agree. There did feel like a pretty decently self-contained self-progression in this because you just get more accustomed to knowing what to bring in with you it's cool to have these conversations of what people ran where i ran guillotine to kill all the junk ads near me and i would use igonomies and load up all four shots to get those shriekers just quickly away from me where you know people in my clan did the opposite were like oh it's xenophage all the time man so mm. it was neat to kind of contrast and compare yeah yeah i mean that's it's one of those things that right now i actually even though we we kind of talk about guillotine being you know, a huge factor being kind of overpowered. I do think there are still some really, really good builds uh, that people are coming up with for different things. A lot of it does seem to kind of, you know, re revolve around a central heavy weapon discussion between there's exotic heavies and then there's guillotine. And that's 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 why I'm hoping maybe some of the sandbox stuff, they buff some of the underrepresented uh, archetypes. And then if I could go back to yesterday real quick, I uh, we talked about casuals and hardcores mm -hmm. for those who, who didn't know. And I just wanted to thank you and this community. When I found you guys in February, I was that total casual dad. I just played Gambit every night. I didn't have any idea what raiding was. Uh, but since finding this community, I've got a whole raid team. I've completed every raid but Garden now. I've got all kinds of exotics I never thought I would have. I have some friends for life, so it's it's pretty cool. I want to just say it's, it's real awesome. So thanks to you and the community for that. Yeah, that's dope. I had no idea. I mean, that's it's see, that's I always find it interesting when you find someone who plays the game a lot and has just never set foot in certain aspects of the game and uh, how a community can kind of be a catalyst for that. Because raids are daunting. I remember running Vogue, and we were like, 
we need so-and-so or we can't run Vog because he knew how to explain all the encounters and the rest of us were just clueless. We could stand where you want us to. We could shoot the things you told us to shoot, but we didn't understand it at all. So I uh, I definitely like that uh, you've had that experience here with this community because I, I am not driving that. You guys are driving that. I don't touch raids. I'm not a big fan of raids right now because uh, of the lack of loot motivation and difficulty spectrum. But uh, that's cool that, that we still have people here that are all about that. Yeah, I got I got the training wheels. So the first one we did, I just ran the boss of the machine, and they just told me to shoot snipers. And then we just did, did Callus Prestige. So like we got to work all the way up as a team. So so again, thanks to everyone. Hmm. And then that's my cool. my last point, which is very mushy, uh, all the feels for everybody. Um, my family wanted me to tell you, Lono, that we really support you, and this whole thing has been like super terrible. So I just want to encourage everybody, like. If you like something, you've got to support it. Small business, streamers, content. If you like it, you got to pay for it. We don't pay for cable because we don't like it. We support Lono and his content. And I just encourage everyone, if you do the same, you got to support the things you want to stay around. So there's your your shameless plug for me, my man. We love you. (laughs) I appreciate that. You're not supposed to, you guys aren't supposed to do that, but I appreciate, I appreciate that. I really do. You're very kind, Matt, and uh, sent a generous tip yesterday. You don't have to do that or say what you're saying, but I def, it means a lot to me and my family, and I appreciate it very much. If we don't, you know, no one will. So you got to stand up for what you believe in. So thanks for the, the airtime. I love you, man. I appreciate it, dude. Thank you. All right. I am, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't know, I'm trying to move on. Uh, let's see. We did... I'm trying to remember who's next. <laughs> that was really kind. Um, let's see. The uh, It was a really... It was a rough summer, man. It was really rough. It was real dark. All right, I'm coming to you, Gritter. What do you got for me today, my friend? Okay, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. Okay, uh, based on the... Um the graphic I sent you, it is from the Luke Smith. I think it was his first director's cut. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I highlighted, he said, we want players to have cover where their shields and health can recharge or where they can get to be uh, using smart geometry, movement, and ability and gunplay to dig enemies out of cover and make interesting decisions about target, prior, prior, you know, prioritization. And I felt like, you know, that, I feel like, as you would say, he really... Or the this last mission really landed the plane in that aspect better than the regular strange terrain boss fight, um, and you know I really appreciate it. And you know, like again, I, you can see that in prophecy. I mean, the prophecy fight, and I think even more so um, this new fight in the final mission it did remind me a lot of a lot of the D one boss fights. You know, especially Bows to Arc. It reminded me. I mean, I you know I'm not gonna go too long about how I spent an hour just fighting him solo because I was uh, underpowered and I knew if I died, I'd have to start the whole encounter over. I didn't want to do that. And I didn't have anyone to join me. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you know, and that's just, you know, just why I want to bring up, you know, that that is something um, Luke Smith, that's a goal he has in mind for Destiny going forward. I think that's why we're going to see a lot more of, you know, the the landscape um, playing a big role in our combat decisions going forward and beyond light and into lightfall like we did with uh prophecy and um um, this new final mission now in this quote you pulled this is from a director's cut correct yes this is when he was talking about the pitfalls of reckoning 
So you can see, mm. you know, Reckoning, you're on a bridge, you're all opened up, getting attacked everywhere. This is almost, I mean, Strange Terrain boss fight is almost that bad, but you can see you have more options to go into cover and allow, allow your shields to recharge in this new final mission because you can jump on the top of the pillars and jump on the floating um, grass or whatever, or, you know, hills. And you know where the um, where the crystals are, and yes, the red bars. What I do like about this though, the red bars will chase you. They will hop up there with you, so it's not like you can just completely avoid them. Allow right. your shields to recharge, and then peek out and shoot them down below. Um, they follow you. So um, I, I and then and then having and um, I think on the first wave you only had crystals in the first level of tier uh, tiers tiers of pillars, but then on mm -hmm. the second or third when you had to go you had to, I think it was like four crystals and mm -hmm. that surprised like whoa, um, so it it just it just felt so awesome man um, and I, I'm looking forward to more stuff like that in Beyond Light and going into Lightfall and Beyond. I'm actually glad you brought this up because I actually forgot he said this and it's good that this was in a director's cut and not just them sort of generically talking about the game because I think this adds credence to a lot of what I think is that I don't think they're altogether happy with Grandmaster Nightfalls because this description right here is one of the primary problems with some of the, the strikes the minute you get into a Grandmaster because he says, you know, we want players to have cover where their shields and health can recharge or where they get to be smart using geometry, movement, ability, and gunplay to dig enemies out of cover and make interesting decisions about target prioritization. And I think that you are correct. If we look at the Prophecy Dungeon and we look at this encounter with, with Nocris, they are creating areas where we move a lot more. And one of the things that always drives me crazy in the Prophecy fight, the final fight, is when the bosses in the three corners are shooting me. But that pain point and pressure is good. It makes me move. It makes me close line of sight. Yeah. It keeps the pressure up. And it obviously feels really great once your corner boss is dead because then he's not shooting you anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I really hope that this vision comes to fruition and it makes me curious will we see any significant changes for Grandmaster Nightfalls going forward? Because that would require some strike redesign. Maybe that's why we're only getting one new strike. Maybe they're going through and restructuring strike flow and modifiers and what makes it challenging, and that's why they didn't have the bandwidth to create a bunch of new strikes when they... Maybe they've done something to the uh, to the strikes that are sticking around. I would certainly hope so, because... What you've highlighted is something that I think is extremely important in one of the layers of my criticism of Grandmaster Nightfalls is that what he's describing here doesn't happen. It, you don't have a lot of those options and a lot of those combat choices. And it's because these strikes were developed, you know, four years ago before Grandmaster was even a birth idea. Um, it's an encounter that requires movement, and the faster you go with it, the less annoying the bosses in the corners are. It's wonderful encounter design. Right. See, like, I... I started going really aggressive on the night and I remember somebody in chat commenting the one day they're like oh I really like that I never thought about going that aggressive I'd put one anarchy on the ground and then I'd snipe him and kill him super fast and it, it, it was really enjoyable to get good at that because it did it, it, it made it go faster I'm finessing uh, the mechanic of killing the knight to get the motes and obviously then staying away from the uh, the boss shooting at me so yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. I really am. I think we're I think we're picking up on some good things and some good changes that happened just in this year. Even though content was light, there's been some decent 
internal design pivots that could be uh, pointing to what year four will uh, will be a whole lot more like. Yeah, I think it, it gives more feel of like a space western. I mean, a lot of the fights in D1, I feel like I'm entrenched in a real nice space western, uh, and I, I, I think we're going to get more of that um, going forward. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. Well, thank you for calling in, uh, Gritter, and everybody else. If you were listening to this and you're like, man, that'd be cool to call in, all you got to do is pick VIP tier. <laughs> and then let me sneeze and then you can get in the discord to be part of these call-ins you can pick the vip tier on patreon or youtube uh here's all the tiers that we have tier one gets you the badge and the emotes and then the vip tier allows you to call in and speak to me on the air as well as get an hour of early access to q a in the discord so if you don't want to have those uh those repeat questions also if you've enjoyed today and this segment Usually around now, people head out because we're done with the Q&A. We're done with the call-ins. Please smash the like button. We are super, super close to 1,000 likes. We only need 50 more likes. Out of 600-some-odd people, there might be 49, 50 more people here to click the like. Help us hit that 1,000 like goal every day. If you're listening to this elsewhere or as a past broadcast, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com. And for one central hub and home for all of my content, remember to bookmark sntrnetwork.com sntrnetwork.com has repeat theater rageous roundtable and sntr presents all there under one umbrella network brand name and we appreciate creature for building that for me and you guys supporting it uh as well so as always we're going to keep on streaming we got some more things to do in a little bit we'll be heading over to repeat theater and as always if you're listening to this elsewhere please like share and subscribe